Hello, welcome to To Be A Terrier, Stephen Chicken here, determined not to say Rotheringham at any point on this podcast. How are you doing, David Hartrick? I'm very good, very good, absolutely full of chocolate and sweets. Yeah, orally? <laughs> yes, I promise. Okay, excellent. Um, what a lovely note to start the podcast off on. Huddersfield Town have beaten Preston, Dave. I'm not sure we particularly saw that one coming. When, when I was doing the points target... For the next, well, what was then the next 10 games, I gave it one point uh, because I just didn't want to put any of the games as a zero point target because that's not what a target is. Um, but I, looking at that fixture list, I was thinking that's actually the toughest of this run of 10 games up to mid-February mm. and they've got to get got three points from it. So you can't really say fairer than that, can you? No, everything's good. They're going to stay up. Promotion push. <laughs> um Forget no, last I, week's podcast. I think, um, like, when I saw that town lineup, I can't have been the only one who was thinking uh, this could be quite a long 90 minutes. Not from the point of view of I thought they are going to get absolutely spanked, but I thought it may be quite a defensive sitting, couple of lines of five type performance for sort of 70 minutes and then see if you can get something on a break. But just didn't pan out like that. And it was... They were good. I thought they were. I thought they were more proactive. I don't think we can sort of sit here and pretend between us that all the problems are solved and everything is going to be fine, etc. But yeah, there were there were sort of you know encouraging signs, weren't there? There certainly were. I think there was really very little in the game up to the point it was one all. I think at the point Jordan Rhodes got that equaliser, that was about the right scoreline for the game. Preston had had the bigger chances, but you know they hadn't put them away. Um, and Kane Kesthaden had missed that sitter as well just before. Not quite a sitter, but it was a very presentable chance just before half time. So I think on the balance of play, you would have said one all at that point was about right. But then as soon as that goal went in, the town goal, they looked a completely different team. It, it was one of the most sort of dramatic, uh, positive changes I've seen in a side's demeanour was was the response to that goal and from there they were the only team that were going to win it and they did you know Jordan Rhodes even hit the post um, before Kane Kessler Hayden got the winner they had a penalty shout turned down as well you know they, they were really pushing for it and I thought a lot of players on that pitch Jordan Rhodes in particular but not just him once they got the score level they they it was as if they went oh yeah we can play football can't we Mm. Um, and they and suddenly decided to start doing it, which we we that's an oversimplification that is sort of you know denigrating what they'd done previously, but it it really did feel that way. And I thought the two goals were sort of exactly what Town haven't done for a long, long time. You know, it was a a cutback from the byline from Brahima Diara to to give it to Jordan Rhodes, and then. Nice finish from Rhodes. I don't think Keeper was great on it, to be perfectly honest. And then I thought the cross from Jack Rodoni for to give Kane Kessler Hayden that tap in, and it was a tap in that one, was a phenomenal cross. You know, he, he hit it with such pace and hit it across the face of the six yard box in such a way that the goalkeeper didn't know what to do with it. He didn't know whether to come for it, whether to stay on his line and try and make the save. And you know, it's we've been waiting so so long for those moments of quality, and then you get two in ten minutes, and you get three points out of it. You just hope that they can take that confidence forward into the Rotherham game. 
Yeah, definitely. But I think the other thing uh, that I thought was very noticeable is I think they just held on to the ball better. I think mm. they just protected the ball better there. Past success was, was up. Their possession was high again, um, even though they were away from home. Uh, they lost the possession less times than the opposition. They won more duels. It was... I, I, I thought, again, like... I don't think either of us can sit here and pretend that all the problems are gone and everything's all right. But I, I do think you, yet again, you saw maybe a glimmer of how Mark Fothering would, would like Huddersfield Town to look, you know, for across a whole 90 minutes consistently, rather than just sort of being able to do it in the second half. I thought, like you, I, I didn't think there was much in it till till 1-1. I thought that was about right. But down to their credit, I think they sniffed blood. And they went yeah. for it. And how many times have me and you said that's been one of their big failings, that they don't recognise those moments and they don't go for it and they never seem to put their foot on the juggler, do they? So, How do you kill a circus? Go for the juggler. Um, but, yeah, I, I, it was it was good. It was pleasing. There were lots and lots of things that sort of make the analyst's room per I would have thought from because you could clearly see some stuff off the training ground actually starting to actually starting to appear on the pitch so yeah big big three points I'd suggest big three points yeah I think the the back three plus Lee Nichols we talked about this previously I think last week but I think you know I think it's clear that Will Boyle is fourth choice but I think he's now made it so that everyone is quite comfortable with the idea of him being the fourth choice centre back and are quite happy if he comes in mm. and plays. Um, he, there was that, you know, you can you can run him, but I think that's probably true of all all three centre backs. But I thought Tom Lees was was exceptional. I thought particularly first half there was a spell, five minute spell in the first half where he cut out the, about three balls into the box to stop Preston getting clean through. Um, but obviously set pieces. Last couple of games, they have conceded set pieces, which they haven't been doing much this season. Um, they'd only conceded one in the previous eight games and have now conceded two in two. Um, so they need to cut that out. But um, I think there were there were real positive sides signs from this game. And you know, we've not even talked about. I think the risk if they hadn't won this game <laughs> would be that there was, there would only be one thing we were talking about, wasn't there? Which is the decision to leave out. Sorba Thomas from from the the squad, let alone the starting lineup. There was no issue with him, uh, fitness wise or anything like that. Mark Fotheringham said there was no issue with him uh, on a personal level level either. He just felt that the, the team needed freshening up and that that maybe Sorba was was due for rest essentially. And and we're expecting him to be back in the squad to face Rotherham on on Thursday evening. But it was a big bold shout, Dave, to leave Sorba Thomas out, but it's paid off. You can't argue if you win, you know. No. If, if the thing about making big bold decisions is if if they come off, if you win, nobody can really question them. And I mean, who who knows what the the logic behind it was? But I did think there was a different attacking angle to to Towns' attack. I did think they were trying to do different things. I did think they were trying to cross from different areas. So yeah, you know, I, as I said, it's. If they lose that game, you're exactly right. We're sitting here talking for 10 minutes about why would you leave Saul Thomas out and we're looking at key pass statistics and we're looking at assist statistics, but we're not. We're sat here going, okay, all right. And I think, listen, we're not we're not blind to social media. We know that Mark Fotheringham is, is somebody who is currently splitting town fans. Um, you know, some people... I think he'd he'd 
calling him all the names under the sun. Some people want to give him a chance. I think the thing is, like, he keeps getting a tune out of, out of people that we don't think... <laughs> we have sort of not, not written off. Written off is the wrong phrase, but... That we've been critical of. Yeah, and you have to... There does come a point where you have to sort of respect that. And I'm I'm still not... I'm still not moved from the position that we talked about in the last podcast, which is that I think they they're going to need some help in January to yeah, to get to climb up the table. But there's no denying that you know, like I thought that was Kane Castle Hayden's best showing in a town shirt by a long mm-hmm. way. I thought Jack Rodoni week on week is is starting to get that that sort of level of incision really and that level of danger to his play that is desperately needed in that side and he you keep seeing these flashes of it's it's yeah there are as i said there there are tiny signs if you choose to see them that there could be something coming together but there is a long way to go town are still 24th at the moment but we talked about the importance of winning away from home and they've gone and won away from home so why on earth would we complain well exactly thought Dwayne Holmes had a really good game as well and I think this is you know he has Mark Fotheringham has not been shy to leave players out but the players that he has brought back in generally have done better when he's brought them back in you know mm-hmm. Kane was very hit and miss um, previously he has been a little bit but I think since the World Cup break in particular he's been playing a lot better um, and watching the highlights again I was far too harsh on him on my player ratings I think I let that uh, that miss in the first half dwell on my mind a bit too much Left out Dwayne Holmes last week, and I thought he came back in and had maybe his best appearance of the season. Uh, I think there was a game early in the season where he set up two, but other than that, um, I think that was easily Dwayne Holmes' best game this season. I th- um, Jordan Rhodes has been out the side for a while. Uh, he comes back in and scores that goal, and that was that one was sort of imposed on them because Danny Ward was injured. But and Jack Rodoni, who you mentioned, you know. I, on the quiet, I'm, and I mentioned him last week and said, you know, against Watford, I think in some regards it was his best performance for town, but in other regards it wasn't because he was lacking the end product. But he delivered that end product here, as, as we've touched on. I'm on the quiet, and I'm trying not to make too big a deal out of it because I think he's still got a way to go yet, and we do still need to see goals out of him. We need to see assists more consistently. But I'm really enjoying watching Jack Rodoni... Uh, <laughs> If he comes into a new role or plays in a new position, and he's he's been moved around a lot this season, played a lot of different roles. He's played right wing, left wing, central midfield, number 10. Uh, he's even played as a number six against QPR. And every time Rodoni has been put in a new role, he's had new things to learn uh, to do that role and do that role in the championship. But you quite often see Jack Rodoni will struggle with something in a game particularly if he's playing in a new position and by the end of the game he's cracked it and I think game on game we're starting to see more and more out of Jack Rodoni I think he's beat he's getting a lot more confidence taking men on and he's becoming more effective doing that as as we saw against Preston so I'm I'm sort of again it's been quite a gradual thing it's not been a dramatic thing but I've been we we noted early in the season what a quick learner he seemed to be and I think we've seen that continue over the season. Yeah, I I've always really liked his his willingness and his constant showing for the ball. Um which something we talked about earlier in the season that he came straight into the side and he was very he was very vocal on the pitch, very demanding. 
and he's clearly got the the tools, hasn't he? He's clearly mm. it's the the classic. It's the Morecambe and Wise, isn't it? He can play all the right notes. Clearly, he's just got to get them in the right order consistently. And um, it was it was good to see. It was good to see. He does. Let's be honest. He's he's a profile of player that Town don't have other than him in the squad. Mm. So they need him to really push on and yeah the the signs were there and I think you're exactly right about Dwayne Holmes I think I, I've been very quick, critical of Dwayne Holmes um, he came back in and he looked a little bit like a <laughs> a player with a point to prove yeah. um, and if that's the case if he's going to keep that up that's that's you know that's good but what he can't do now is then let his level drop back to where it was for example <sighs> Rotherham away. <laughs> I feel I feel like we've seen this a few times with Dwayne where he has a run in the side and then gradually his level dips and then he'll get dropped and then when he comes back in he does really well again. I think he yeah. he is a player who needs a bit of a chip on his shoulder and probably being a little bit more comfortable probably isn't actually great for him, I think. Mm. So Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. And like the the Rotherham away performance, as you know, Steve, it, it really frustrated me because I just felt he wasn't yeah he, I hate to I hate to use I don't think it was a lack of effort but he was just sort of walking around the pitch where really he needed to be trying to get involved mm. it was like the sort of complete opposite against Preston and that's that's where he needs to be yeah. and you're exactly right I think maybe he does need that chip on the shoulder but I think the other thing is like it wasn't a game of loads and loads of chances and town mm. took two of their what big three mm. <laughs> and that's we've not seen that that level of being clinical enough from them so you know long may that continue it, it, it that really is the single biggest thing that they need to change if they are going to get themselves off the bottom of the table because we talked about it particularly on the last pod but yeah, that that lack of uh, that lack of goals was was killing them. So to get two on the road really needs to be the start of now really pushing on, and it makes makes that game against Rotherham, that home game against Rotherham, huge, doesn't it? Because they really yeah. need to build on that. I think it already was huge. I think all those six pointers are, but yeah, I, I think at the moment we do need to sort of treat this game as the aberration rather than the start of a return to form it's it's too early yeah. to say that obviously you know it's Completely as well as as the players were very and Mark Fotheringham were very keen to say after the game you know one game it's you know almost they'd have been better losing to Preston and then beating Rotherham than the other way around um so if they go and lose to Rotherham now then you know it's it's all kind of for nothing but yeah, another player who we'd not mentioned, and people be screaming uh, at their headphones. And if you are screaming at your headphones, uh, see a doctor. Um, but that we'd not mentioned Brahim Diara, who I think his introduction changed the game. You know, he, he came on in the seventy-first minute and then sets up the first goal uh, five minutes later. And yeah, I, I feel he completely changed the flow of the game uh, in in town's favour. Yeah, absolutely. He, um, <laughs> we've always known he can do this. We've seen him do this in B team games, and we've, whenever he's come into the first team, I feel like me and you have always been. Uh, we've tried to err on the side of caution, but we've also been sat there going, "He, he can be the wild card. He can be the one who can give you something different." And it was nice to see 
the Brahima Diara with some end product that we have seen in B team games and that we know has this ima- immense amount of potential. And uh, he is a really interesting player because he's quite a he's quite a throwback in terms of his playing style. He's extremely direct. You know, he he wants to get on the front foot. He wants to take a man on. He ru- he wants to run in a straight line forward, doesn't he? <laughs> That's yeah. the thing. Whoever's that, in front of him. Yeah, and. He's he's great fun to watch, but that's the, his first sort of really decisive game-changing moments in a townshire. And I'm completely with you. We sort of need to treat this win very carefully, and we need to point out that we don't think this is necessarily the turnaround or anything like that. But in in all of these little things that can make a big difference, Brahima Diara is one of the big one of the big ones. You know, he he really could have a very decent second half of the season and yeah I don't want to I'm sort of holding back Steve because I don't want to big him up too much because I know what Brahima Diar is like he could start against rather than be absolutely you know really struggle (laughs) because he just is it's almost by virtue of the way he plays he is just wildly inconsistent isn't he but he's an all or nothing player yeah yeah He's very he's Tino Antunes deputy in basically every way. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. So I sort of feel like I I just sort of want to tentatively say, yes, that was very good. Can we have some more of that, please? Yeah, very much so. Uh player we enjoy watching and hopefully we can see more of those kinds of moments. And yet, I mean, they've got a bit of a conundrum now and it was nice to do a predicted lineup today where it was difficult for the right reasons because mm trying to get everyone in that we want to have in. Bearing in mind, I think, as I say, Dwayne Holmes, I want to keep in because I think he had a, a really good game. Uh, Rodoni, I want to keep in. Kessler Hayden, you want to keep in. But you also, if Sorba Thomas is coming back, then you want to try and get him into the starting lineup as well. It's like, well, you add those and Brahim and Diara and someone's going to have to come out. And I think in my predicted lineup, I kept Brahim on the bench, if only so that you've got a difference maker there. Um, and you can then have Rodoni in central midfield. I've taken Kasumi out basically and put Rodoni in central midfield, which is where he finished the game, having started as as one or two number tens. By the way, that system I think the the three four two one really suits Town now. Um, they sort of switched to that system second half against Sheffield United, stuck with it against Watford and and stuck with it throughout the night minutes against Preston as well. And I quite like the balance that formation brings. I think it allows you to have. Hog and one other as as sort of your deep line midfielders. Uh, I think we know that they are lacking a left winger, so not to say you have to play a symmetrical formation by any means, but I think if you're playing with two number tens, you want them sort of coming close to one another, so that that makes sense. And then you've obviously you've got a lone striker up top, and it gives the the wing backs more license to get forward because I think I think I sometimes think with playing Kane and Sorba Thomas. They are very similar players in some regards. And I think when we... I noted it at Sheffield United, Kane didn't want to go on the overlap to Sorber because he wanted to give Sorber the space to run into. But Kane also wants that space to run into. So it's it's a tricky one to to, to crack, I think, try to pick the team for, for Rotherham. Mm. I think on that system, I, I think I like it as long as they keep using it um, to make sure they've got two in the box at all times. Because yeah. that's 
one of the things they're using for balance is they are trying to push somebody up there with that striker. I, I uh, the minute that system forces you to isolate the striker, you've got to change it because town just can't we know they're not creative enough to have a striker who's got 20 yards of space all around him because it, it they, you know nothing will happen so as long as they keep using it to sort of attack down one side and the the player the other side immediately tucks in to make a second striker i think it's fine but yeah i like it's one of them performances where you look at it and you go okay they've just got a win do you sort of not change a thing and just start with the same verse 11 i don't actually think you do you know i think this is one of those instances where you go okay well we we need to build on that so we need to look at the we need to break that performance down into its parts keep what we want to keep and see where we can play the opposition a little bit as well because rotherham aren't great by any stretch yeah. You know, they they can be got at. There are lots and lots of ways to, uh, lots and lots of ways to hurt them. So I think, yeah, I think it's. I don't. I I honestly don't know, Steve. But what I would do is I would I would just make sure it's a very front foot performance. I think mm. you know you you you're at home anyway. But against Rotherham, you really want to be setting the tempo, and you really want to be going for going for it from the off I would suggest I think since they've switched to this formation and I think notably since Jonathan Hogg has come back into the side they have been trying to be exactly what we asked them to be after the after the Sheffield United game which is be the team that controls the game because they had the the majority of the possession in the second half at Bramwell Lane they had the majority of the possession against Watford and they've now had the majority of the possession away from home to to Preston and I think that is something they're quite purposefully doing is trying to have more control on games. Um, I think it limits the amount that the opposition can hurt you uh, as long as you're not getting done on the counter, as unfortunately they were against Watford, and as long as you're not getting done on set pieces, as as I say, they, they were in the last two games. But I think hopefully this is, at least for the next couple of games, a system that they can have a bit of consistency with because... I think it has taken Mark Fotheringham a bit of time to find his best formation, his best system, which hasn't been helped by the fact that he had so many injuries before the World Cup and, and the cast kept rotating and, and he had to keep making changes to the point where he ended up playing a, a 5-4-1 that has now thankfully turned into more of a back three. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't think the injuries helped, but also I think... I, I think the squad was a little bit all over the place, it and it was like, right, okay, I've got, I've got loads of square holes, and I've only got round pegs to put in. <laughs> um, so, it, it, I still think they're a little bit like that in truth. But I think yes. he, the difference is we're now at a point where he's found, he's found something that works. But also, I think he knows his players now, so he knows, okay, so and so can do this, but they can't do that. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. I feel. <sighs> I think after the last podcast, me and you, to let people behind the curtain a bit, we were both thoroughly depressed about it or <laughs> about everything. And the reason is because it's not so much that Town had been bad or that they kept losing or anything like that, but it's just very, very difficult to find new things to say, to sort of find new things to analyse, to give new reasons for things when the the the... The reasons for stuff are so obvious, you know, you don't need us mm. to tell you. So we sit here going, Well, we're doing a podcast just telling people what they already know and it feels kinda feels kinda pointless. I think we're both being cautious after this game. I think there's some people who have uh, looking at social media who've been a far more effusive than we have really, but it's like, Okay, you've got that win now. 
And ironically, it's against Preston. It was a win against Preston that turned Carlos Corbran's season last season. Let's build on it. Let's see what we can do over the next fortnight. And then hopefully we can do a couple of podcasts where we are, well, to be frank, glowing. <laughs> it would be nice to do one of them again, wouldn't it? It would. I mean, we're, we're both uh, being a bit shy here, I think, because we don't know how that game against Rotherham is going to go. And if they win that, then it, it does feel a lot brighter. That seven-point gap could potentially have been cut to two with a game in hand by the time the Rotherham game is, been, is said and done. Or it could be back to seven again. Um, you know, it could even extend um, to eight if they were to lose to Rotherham. So, you know, we, we need to be cautious. And as I say, it's one game. Um, and we've had words of praise, but I think we've sort of gone very heavy on the praise, mostly because it's been so long. Um, partly because of the World break, World Cup break, to be fair, because we had praise for them after the, the Swansea and, and QPR games, of course. But be, just in terms of actual chronological time, it's been a long time since we've had these sorts of positives to point mm. to. It's also, Dave, the last time that we're going to ha- get a chance to speak before the January transfer window opens. Uh, I think you and I are agreed on the positions that they need, and it's the same positions that we talked about previously that we talked about before the World Cup break. Um, I think they need a striker. I think they need a uh, either a winger or an attacking midfielder or an attack-minded central midfielder. Someone creative, basically. Uh, another Jack Rodoni would be just great you know you said to me the other day the player that town need is jack Rodoni in two years time <laughs> which yeah. i think i think is accurate uh and i think they could do with a fullback um for one side or the other um there's also been the rotherham manager is also matt taylor has also spoken today saying scott high uh is coming back to town uh i don't know if he's going to play a huge amount but i think he is even if he doesn't play a player that mark fotheringham will love to love working with because um, he's, he's a top professional is, is Scott High so uh, and apart from anything else it takes another option away from a relegation rival uh, last thing you want is Scott High scoring the goal that relegates town isn't it so yeah, um, yeah I, but I think those those are the players they need um, it's whether they've got the, the the means to do it is the issue isn't it yeah we know what has been brief we heard the press conference but we also know it's it's fairly obvious that they're not going to get out of this without some help. So I am cautiously expecting a bit of movement out and in um, over January. No inside, inf- no inside information on that. I will say, you know, that's not me. That's not Hartrick says outs definitely coming. I just feel there will be a bit of movement. Um, so yeah, we we'll see, we'll see. I I just there's a couple of those positions that I think are kind of non-negotiable if they're serious about staying up, mm-hmm. which for me are striker and and as you said that one other creative player. I think if they have to run without a full back, I think okay, yeah. you know, fine. If they don't do anything else, I think fine, but if I I think if they don't do something about that striking situation and the creativity I, I just, like you said, you, it, you can look at the next nine or ten games and think, okay, this is a good run, this is a good chance to get yourself out of it, but their running is tough. Yeah. Their running is very, very tough. So you can't afford to give yourself a sort of full sense of security because you pick up some points now and not keep one eye on that that future. Um, so, yeah, we shall see. Can't wait for all the transfer rumours to start, Steve. <laughs> I think the the target I set is by the time 
they get to game 32 by the time they finished game 32 i think they need to have 37 points uh so they needed 18 points from from 10 games they've now played one and got three points already so mm. five more wins or or um four wins and three draws from the next from the next nine games which sounds like a lot but remember they're playing rotherham they're playing blackpool they're playing wigan they're playing hull um, yeah they're playing bristol city uh in that spell and i think they're playing stoke as well i think that's just about on that run as well but yeah, those, those weirdly, they are better winning those games because of the implications. You know, you're taking points off someone else than you are winning the games against the likes of Coventry and Preston, aren't you? Yeah, I think the the thing I would say, the thing we probably need to discuss as well is just the wider picture in that the championship is just reliably bonkers this year. In that, mm. you know, there are other years where, to be frank, town would be not completely cut off at this point but you you certainly wouldn't be willing to put money on them getting out of it whereas this season there's no real breakaway you know it's it's i think it's three is it three points from sixth to 16th three points from fifth to 16th yeah which nobody in this league is sort of getting away from anyone else apart from at the very top so yeah it's still I think that's why me and you are still not really willing to sort of sit here and say, you know, they're completely doomed or they're definitely out of it because it's just a it's just a mad league this time. And I think there's one way where you can look at it and I think it helps Huddersfield Town out immensely and there's another way where you can look at it and think, well, it doesn't really help them out at all. So yeah, it just feels like, to me, I, I my big thing, Steve, is by the end of January, I think they've got to be out of the bottom three to have yeah. a realistic chance and that doesn't necessarily mean that they're sort of out of it and clear or they will never drop back into it but they've got to be pushing into that next Even section of the table goal difference yes yeah. they yeah. they've got they've got to be looking up rather than than really sitting there at the bottom of the table with the weight of the league on them which is where they are now because there's just like mentally it's a burden for the players more than anything else isn't it when you when you're rock bottom so let's Let's see. Big month. Big month yeah. ahead. It looks like a bottom seven is sort of forming yeah. at the moment yeah. as it's as we sit here right now. And there's a couple of teams that could well drop into that. But as it stands at the moment, it looks like a bottom seven. And weirdly, for all we've sort of griped and moaned over the past few weeks, Town are actually in the best form out of those seven teams. Yeah. And um, the other thing is, I think on paper, there's a couple of teams in there which Town are... For for me anyway, Town are definitely better than, but they've got to be better than four or five of them realistically. Yeah. So let's let's see, <laughs> let's see. Yeah, hopefully, as you say, we're sitting here in a few days' time. I think we're gonna next do a podcast um, after the Luton game, uh, which is part of the reason we've done this, despite the quick turnaround to to Rotherham, but. Yeah, we'll see where we're sitting in a week and whether we're continuing the cheerful note or whether we're back to where we were last week and uh, being all miserable and doom and gloom or somewhere in between. But what music will you be listening to when the clock hits midnight on New Year's Eve, David? Well, I'm not. I will give my musical recommendation in just a minute, but just a shout out to uh, the 
gentleman in Sainsbury's who grabbed me as I was in a mad rush because I may or may not have been doing all my Christmas shopping in supermarkets at about half past seven at night this year, a couple of days before Christmas. Uh, but he grabbed me because he heard me talking to a friend and said, oh, I recognise you from the podcast. And he said some very, very nice things about the podcast. And he recommended The Enemy's first album, which actually was a good album, to be fair. But I, since the uh, loss of Christy McVie, I've been listening to a lot of Fleetwood Mac because me and my wife are both big Fleetwood Mac fans they sort of you have stuff you listen to on your own and you have stuff you listen to together and Fleetwood Mac are always there and I would recommend The Dance which is the live album from 1997 which is essentially a greatest hit set played live just skip past the chain because I maintain that's a dreadful song Ooh. in that spirit of bands you listen to together then because I, I at the moment never know what I'm going to say coming into these but my wife doesn't get me into a lot of music. It's normally the other way around. But she got, she took me, she dragged us to see Enter Shikari last year, which isn't. I do you know what I was really into metal when I was like a teenager. I was <laughs> I was a Mosher Dave, as, as was the parlance of the time. This is the the new metal era, uh, the golden age of new metal around sort of two thousand one, two thousand two, um, and they're not a million miles off that, uh, which I had sort of left behind. But I have found myself listening to uh, their last couple of albums so i'll go with the spark which is their album before last uh by enter shikari hey steve hopefully that win will prove to be the spark to huddersfield town season yep bye <laughs> bye <laughs>